You know that saying that's repeated in the movie, The Usual Suspects, that the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he did not exist? It's a great quote. There's another great trick. It's a monumental swindle. It's this theft of love. The meaning of love. It's the theft of different aspects of love. It's the theft of the word that the Mockingbird media sometimes love to word use. It's nuance, gravitas, importance, and also our capacity to understand godly from ungodly love. See, the theft has been perpetrated largely by the sexual left, and the sexual left, and this is not true of all people who are same-sex attracted or who've been conned or confused about their gender or are gender defiant. Well, it's not true. If you're gender defiant, it is true. But the fact is that the sexual left is pursuing ungodly ends. And one of the ungodly ends is to steal from people the very nature of God and who he is, what he wants, and why he wants it. He's not a God of capriciousness. He has no need for us to entertain him or to provide fun or validation. He needs none of that. He created us out of love. He pursues us out of love. But there's that word again. And I want to talk about this as we head into the week of Christmas because that's an act of enormous love. But what kind? And the response of the people who realized who the Lord Jesus was at the time loved him, but how? We're to express love, but in what way? This has all been stolen from us, from a lot of us. I know it had been from me. And as I think through how to approach this, I'm reminded of one of the most heartbreaking stories out of a book called On the Res by Ian Frazier. And it's about young Native people who thought they had reclaimed their language. We'll talk about that with the help of a friend from Bulwark Capital Management at KnowYourRiskRadio.com. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times to which God has decided we shall live. He made the decision, and that means he trusts us in this period of time to do what is right, knowing full well that some of us will choose the other path. As we build up into Christmas, which is something that these days, for a lot of people, simply rolls from the tongue, it's Christmas, it's Santa, it's, and that, look, we did Santa in our house too, some of my best memories are about that. I wish that I'd done a better job of explaining it early on as to what it means, its significance. Santa Claus being named after a guy who was a Catholic priest who cared for kids, and so he took them gifts on that time to remind them of the gift they'd been given in the Lord Jesus. My father gave me as a Christmas gift when I was probably 10, He gave me a copy of Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. 
And my father was fascinated by Native culture and Native Americans because my dad fancied himself a mountain man. And he had good reason to do that. His, his grandpa was pretty much a mountain man. I mean, he went into the city, but he was just, had a self-sustaining farm and owned a bunch of land. And the family lore had been that grandpa won it in a poker game. We found out later, no, he didn't. <laughs> he worked really hard and he bought it bit by bit by bit working as a shipping clerk. But I like the other story better. It's more fun. And when my dad grew up in Spokane, there were still natives who lived in pretty much a traditional way. You know, I have a picture of my father standing as a little tiny little boy next to his uh, dad and his grandpa as the sheriff came by on horseback. There were no roads. So that the sheriff wanted to visit, it was on horseback. I can remember trips from our home uh, in Spokane Valley to Idaho where we would drive by and there were teepees. And I'd ask my dad, do they still live in those? And he said, some people. I remember that. I can smell those trips. So as we work into this, this analysis, as it were, on love and this theft, I'm thinking about a story that Ian Frazier tells in the book On the Res. If you've not read that book, it is, uh, well, beautiful and heartbreaking. I, I describe books like that as darkly beautiful. Like I think the movie Wind River is darkly beautiful. I've described it to a friend once as that way, and, and turns out I'm not the only one who sees it that way. There was an effort on the reservation that some young people made to reclaim their language. And... They did it outside of the elders, because what do the elders know? And anyone who studied Native culture understands that the Native culture has great respect for the ancestors, their knowledge, etc. Also understand that it's it's pagan, but the respect for the elders is a godly thing. Paganism isn't. And these young people convinced themselves that they had regained the language. But they started to use one word in particular, and I've learned enough about, um, in this case, uh, the, the, the tongue of the people that we call Sioux to not try to speak it, <laughs> because I tried. I really tried. There were some girls at a school I worked at who spoke, the native, who spoke it natively, and I tried to get them to teach me some things, and it was so hilarious watching them respond. Even when I tried to say something as simple as hello, it's a oh. They would laugh and giggle, and they go, I still can't do it. They would say it the correct way, and I'd say it, but I'm saying it. It's, oh, no, no, you said something bad. So I'll tell you about this theft of language. These young people thought they had their language back. So, hey, I'm joining my friends who are on a, a fat loss journey and people who have not yet done it on a, on a journey of my own. I think I've announced this to you. So first week, I really buckled down on this. Um, three pounds gone. And that's about the, pa- the pace I'm, I'm looking to, 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 to go through. And I have a pretty audacious goal in mind. Uh, and it's not, I don't even know that it's, well, it's not unhealthy. Um, but I really needed to examine this to make sure it's not a pride issue. Uh, I am going to try to get as low a body fat as I can. And somewhere in my mind, the number 8% lurks. 
And I've had people tell me, no, you'd be, you'd be awful at 8%. Don't, don't even do that. And it's going to be for me, what, what happens athletically? If my training starts to suffer and my performance in the gym starts to suffer uh, and it's tied to that, I'll stop. So the prediction, my coach, others have predicted that, look, you're going to get down to 10%, 11%, and you're going to be rock solid and you're going to love it there. So I'm thinking that way, and I needed to make sure it was not pride-oriented, and I don't believe it is. I just think I want to know what that feels like. So I want to ask you a question. When was the last time you were really super uncomfortable with the fat around your body, and where does it sit? I'll, I'll tell you for me. And I have took off 150 pounds, and I've kept it off. But I was, once again, getting up off the ground. I thought, what's that? So what about for you? When was the last time you felt really uncomfortable? Was it a lot of people shoveling snow this winter? They're thinking, man, my back hurts. I feel really uncomfortable. Was it trying to ski? Getting up on skis for the first time in a long time and going, wow, uh, for some reason my knees hurt more. So what would you imagine for yourself? For me, honestly, the 8%. 10%. I'm curious what that'll feel like, but it's about gymnastics. Crazy, right? Mid 50s, it's about gymnastics. It's about walking in my hands. It's about being swift that way. What's it for you? Is it a return to dancing? Is it a return to celebrating that way? What is it? See that why? If that why is burning within you, why are you waiting? Soda Weight Loss, sodaweightloss.com, founded by healthcare providers from way back. And, they've, and when I say healthcare providers, I actually mean providing health to people. Over 7,000 Google reviews. Oh, by the way, perfect there is five stars. Their average is 4.8. They take care of the convenience foods, the weigh-ins you even need to go in. There's Christian meditation classes. Don't look past those. It's Soda Weight Loss at SodaWeightLoss.com. Stands for state-of-the-art. S-O-T-A WeightLoss.com. The kids on the reservation, young men were going about doing what they thought was recapturing their language. And George Orwell has made the case, as have others, that when you steal a language, you steal ideas. Um, Ronald Reagan had spoke, um, inaccurately by the way, that there was no word in the Russian language for freedom any longer. It was a pretty turn of phrase. It happened to not be true. But the word freedom had taken on quite different meanings in the Soviet Union. Freedom to do as you're told because the state cares for you. Freedom from choice. Because who wants a bunch of choices? The state has figured out what's right for you. So the word existed. But the meaning had been stolen. And so it was on the Rosebud Reservation. When some young men began speaking in the native tongue, or so they thought, and there was a word I will not try to pronounce it because, again, the lesson from the girls. I can't speak that tongue. The word meant joy, happiness. And so they began speaking this word. And the elders were angry and saddened and offended. Because these young men went around speaking these words, or that word. And the word is a beautiful word. I can't speak. It is a very specific sort of joy. A very specific sort of happiness. Examples. Holding 
your newborn baby in your hands for the first time. Can you remember that feeling? Kissing your wife on your wedding day in front of everybody, seeing her come down the aisle for the first time, if you were observant like I was, don't go see your wife the day of the wedding. Yeah, there were the pictures. That kind of screwed things up, but my wife had a solution for that. She wore a separate dress. And seeing that for the first time, as she came down the aisle with her hair completely done, that joy. Getting news that a relative you thought who had passed on in a, you know, a mining accident or something was in fact alive, that joy. So can you remember instances like that? And the physical emotion or the, the, the manifestation of those emotions physically in your body and that connection, I can remember holding my daughter and feeling complete in a way I'd never felt complete and feeling a weight of responsibility I'd never felt before, but also feeling um, the miraculous. My wife and I are incapable of making life. You are too. We only get to do that through God Almighty. And of course, there's the moment where your little girl or little boy grips your pinky for the first time and their hand is so small. Or that glimpse of your wife coming down the aisle and you are just shell-shocked, gobsmacked. Well, so this is what these boys were speaking for getting stoned. For drinking yourself into a stupor. And that is how that they thought they'd regain their language. And that is why the elders were so sad and so upset. Because it bared nothing in common with that beautiful word. And in some native tongues, as I understand it, there's very specific words because sometimes adjectives were not employed. So there was a word for a knife that was very sharp versus a knife that was dull. I know that to be the case in a lot of the Arabic tongues. And the thinking there is that language evolves as the world around you, you know, informs that. So they didn't have high or low or hot or cold. They had very consistent sort of temperatures. So they created very specific words. We have adjectives. And I know other languages do as well. So in the case of love, love, we are told, is love. One love. This is the statement of the sexual left. Because the desire of the people who run the sexual left, of course, is we are no different from you. Well, in point of fact, the rights, they were created by God, and they were given the same rule book we were given. They were given the same instructions we were given. They're apportioned the same amount of love we're apportioned, which is unbounded, unlimited. God can multiply that as many times as he wants. In fact, he doesn't even need to multiply it. It just is. But the confusion of love is love. It's quite purposeful. Because for them, sex is sex. And for them, love and sex are the same thing. You make love. Okay. Except you don't. Not biblically. There's sexual union. And biblically, of course, between one man and one woman. And in a very small, very small set of cases, that can be dissolved. But that's also a specific type of love. And so what the sexual left is trying to do when they create the one love phenomena 
is they're trying to blur all lines. And this, of course, is the goal of the sexual left in all things, the blurring of gender lines, the pretense that there's no such thing as a boy or a girl or a man as a woman. Because let's face it, when you are what you say you are, then you are anything you want to be. And then the lie is just completely out front. I'm a cat. Okay, you're a cat, except you're not. And you can't be. So the theft of love is washing down into society. And you'll get this from young people. Well, look, love is love. There's just one love. We all practice it the same way. It's all coming from the same barrel. Well, what if it's not godly? What if it's not a godly love? What if it's not a godly way to express love? Because these flavors of love, these types of loves matter. These types of loves and also the expression or I would say the manifesting of love. I was thinking through this with the help of my therapist about manifesting love, manifesting gratitude versus saying it, showing it, manifesting it. And we began to think about it this way. If God observed you in your day-to-day, would God say that person loves? That person is acting in love just as an observer. Would a non-godly observer, a non, in other words, not God, but a, in, in fact, a well, a, 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 say a godly person watching you, would that godly person say, yes, this is a loving person. This person is manifesting love. This person is manifesting gratitude. Or are they just saying it? In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 7, we read, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Pride. That's weird. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects It always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. My therapist has pointed out that love chooses. It doesn't force. Love chooses, it doesn't force. What are we told by the sexual left? The only love in the one love environment is acceptance of all things, even if they're not true. It is not true that men are women. It is not true that white people are all racist. It is not true that all white people have white privilege. It is not true that all black people are virtuous. It is not true that all black people think alike. Love is patient. What do we want? Justice. When do we want it? Now. You're not going to get it. You'll get aspects of it. You'll get broken, mirrored aspects of it. We're made in the image of God, but we're broken mirrors. Love is kind. Is it kind to lie? Is it kind to erase the barriers or blur them between what adults do with their own bodies and what they do with children's bodies? Is that, is that kind? It does not envy. But wait, love is love. I want to be a woman. Therefore, you're going to call me a woman. After all, love is love. There's one love. I want you to accept the way I express and manifest my sexuality. I demand it because that is the only way you can love me. I envy that. 
It does not boast. It is not proud. Proud. Pride month. Love is love. Well, wait. Wait. The sexual left has pride month. They're trying to turn it into pride year. The Bible says right here, love is not proud. But love is love, of course. One love, don't you know? Oh, it gets more precise than this if you think about the ways in which love is, is, is used in the Bible. And it's there that we can examine some of the meanings of God as we work towards Christmas. And we think about what God did in the birth of the Lord Jesus and how he was born. And we'll think about that and focus on that as we continue to build up towards the miraculous day we recognize and celebrate. I know that my uh, my friend, Zach Abraham, uh, the chief investment officer at Bulwark Capital Management, is a loving father and a loving husband. I know that because anytime he speaks of his kids, he gets antsy. He does. Because Zach and I normally connect on video. And I watch him when he starts talking about what his kids are doing. And he gets wiggly-legged. And then he gets wheelie legged and he gets just, he gets anxious because he can't wait to communicate to me what his kids have done or what they've been experiencing. And I also know, and this is a little weird, uh, it's a different sort of love, of course, but there's this love that he has when he can say the portfolio has outperformed because he loves his job, a different kind of love, but he loves his job. And at Bulwark Capital Management, he's the chief investment officer. You know what else he loves? He loves peace of mind. Again, different sort of love, but he loves peace of mind. He wants you to have that. Now, he draws his peace of mind from the Lord, peace of which transcends all understanding, right? And he wants to extend that into the financial realm as best he can. And that goes down to this risk management obsession. And there's another thing I watch with Zach is when he talks about grifters and people like, uh, in my judgment, Sam Bakeman Freed, one of the biggest con artists in history, when he talks about them, he's anxious, but in a different way. It's this, it's this sadness. It's this, it's this angst. It's, dare I say, anger. And it's because he knows what it means to people to have their money, well, stolen or grifted. Very, very few days left in this year for you to figure out if your portfolio will withstand the rigged financial system. And that's what Zach is built about. It's about being honest about the financial system we have run by broken human beings and therefore broken and increasingly corrupt. And it's the one that we have. So call Bork Capital Management and see if your portfolio will withstand the chaos economy, the rigged up system, the 0% interest rate loans, the big people give themselves... Simple phone call will do it. 866-779-RISK. Call Zach Abraham, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Board Capital Management is an investment advisor representative. Check Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. So there is Pride Month, and they want to make it Pride Year. And then there's this. There's the birth of the Lord Jesus. And again, I meditate on 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 7. Love is patient. The Lord could have had Jesus born anywhere he wanted, at any age. He simply could have appeared. He could have plopped down 
or materialized. He could have gone into the biggest synagogue he could find on the biggest day at one of the festivals. And he could have appeared at the main festival event. He could have just materialized. And he could have, he could have come in, in in a huge form. He's like 18 feet tall if he wanted to. And he could have said, I am the God of Abraham. And anyone doubt it? And the first doubter, he could have made them disappear. He didn't do that. There was a patience in this. The Lord was born in the most humble of circumstances, as we know, but we don't reflect upon it enough. Why? Love is kind. Well, there was no room at the inn, but there were people who brought well wishes. Who were they? The most humble, well, in fact, sometimes reviled members of society, the shepherds. So the kindness extended to them. The angel went to them. Well, wait, wouldn't it have been faster to go to the powerful? Wouldn't it have been faster to descend and go to the powerful, but yet would it have been kind? Because the powerful, in my judgment, would have looked at this and said, oh, of course God's coming to us. After all, we're the chosen, you know, we're the, we're the chosen individuals. We're the Pharisees. We're the Sadducees. We're, we're, we're this. Of course he's come to us. Who else would he go to? There's nowhere else to go. Love is kind. It does not envy. So Father God, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, Father God, and the Lord Jesus, well, they have nothing to envy. And yet... Wouldn't it have been tempting? I'm not having my kid born in a barn. I don't care how nice the barn is. I'm not going to have my kid be the, the, the son, the adopted son of some carpenter or mason or, or combination of the two. I guess if you're a carpenter, then you probably had to do masonry work as well. I, no. No, but that would be envious. Do you remember when Mary Joseph went about boasting? Hey, guess what? The night our kid appeared, there was a star unlike any that had ever been seen before. And it, it, it went right above where our kid was born and people came from all around. And an angel went to them. Hey, we're, get behind us. But they didn't. They didn't boast. Nor were they prideful. Find the prideful moments in the Lord Jesus' birth. Find it for me. Well, of course, they did scorn the people who didn't understand them, except they didn't. I mean, to be self-seeking, they could have said, hey, bring us stuff. Because our son is, is the king of the universe, so bring us stuff. This is the Messiah for whom we've waited, so bring us stuff. But they didn't do that. How could they? When they had to flee to Egypt, right? Did they, at that point, did you hear the Lord Jesus talk often about, you know, I actually, my parents had to secret me to Egypt. You know, we had it tough. He kept no lists or no, no records of wrong. The Lord Jesus was protected. He could trust his earthly parents. He always had hope for love always hopes. It always perseveres. In the words of my therapist, I think this is very good that she said it this way. 
Love chooses. It never forces. And so the theft, does that sound like the world's concept of love? When we saw the celebration of the destruction, the pending destruction of biblical marriage being taught in the churches, which will happen, there's going to be a few churches that stick with the Bible and refuse to buckle under with the Destruction of Marriage Act pushed by Mitt Romney, who is an absolute turncoat in every imaginable possible way. In the LDS Church, I beg you to start looking at why. Why is your church folding to this? And I've sometimes people will say to me, well, we're not. Well, you are. You aren't. But don't tell me Romney is rogue against the church now. I don't buy that. There's also, have you looked at Salt Lake City lately? It's fallen. It's a fallen city. So when that was pushed, we saw Cindy Lauper. Girls just want to have fun. Um, she, she got to go say, finally, it's legal to love who you love. Well, that's always been legal. Finally, there's no fear in loving who you love, but wait, what, 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 what kind of love? The kind that's connected to a pride month and a pride year. The kind that's connected to dishonesty and force and lack of kindness that kind of love, the one that, in fact, dishonors others. If you want to agree with my pronouns, you're a literal Nazi. That kind of love, Cindy, that's legal now? Is that the love of which you're speaking? See, she can't see this because that's been stolen from her. I had a conversation with someone the other day, a, a deeply intelligent, deeply warm, uh, deeply, how would I say this? Um, empathetic human being. And we talked about this concept of love and I mangled 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 7. I knew some of it. It's not a verse that I have memorized to my shame. I've got the aspects largely memorized. And I said this to her and she said, wait, is that in the Bible? Uh, Yeah, it's, it's in the Bible. Huh. Knowledge stolen from her. Now, why on earth, or in the heavens, would God want to define love for us? Well, question, who is love? From hence does it flow? God is describing himself. Love is patient. God is patient. Love is kind. God is kind. It does not envy. God does not envy. It does not boast. God does not boast. It is not proud. God does not display pride. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Oh, but wait, my sins. Right, the ones that can be erased? That's all within your, your capability. You can't erase your own sins. I can't erase them for you, but the Lord Jesus can and he will. He'll wash you of them. Not easily angered. Oh, there is an amazing set of cups of wrath ready to be poured out on the United States of America. And by the way, my understanding is once the cups of wrath are full, there's no place else for it to go. It starts to wash over onto us. 
But that's a long time coming because love is patient. So what about love the word biblically? What about that? How has that been stolen? See, the great theft here is young people who believe, well, love is love. So sex is sex and sex is love. And if I'm having sex with one or three people, it's still love. It is. That seems to be dishonoring others. It seems to be self-seeking. It seems to run directly against the way God has said that that sexual pleasure should be manifested. Or sexual union. Because I don't believe it's referred to as sexual pleasure in the Bible. It's pleasurable. But what about love, the different types of love, and how has that been stolen? See, we can't fully understand, in my judgment, the Christmas miracle unless we think of all the ways in which it, um, it was God manifesting these things for us to see. And more importantly, for us to emulate. Because we are to emulate it. There is a profit motive tied to Alan's Artisan Soaps. For sure, there is a profit motive because um, John is a smart businessman. He is Alan's dad. But it is not the profit motive that drives that company. It is love in many of the ways we've described. It's patient. It protects. It's truthful. And the, the whole goal of this was for John, who loves his son in some way, similar to the way the Lord Jesus loves us, although we aren't capable of that sort of love. But John loves his little boy, Alan, 12 years old. You know the story about Alan, that he is so affected by autism that he may never form full sentences. It's taken me now many, many conversations with Alan to be able to understand what he means. Sometimes he'll use his tablet to communicate with me, and then that's easier. Um, But it's love. The profit motive exists because the company's got to be self-sustaining. John can't, you know, can't, can't run it forever on his own money. And he's not, thanks to you. It's turning the corner, thanks to you. And so that love, love has, no greater love has man than to lay down his life for, for his neighbor. Well, John is doing that uh, for his kid. He laid down his professional life largely because he was a very successful marketer then decided, you know what? My son and people like my son are more important. Allen's Artisan Soaps is a company that is designed to grow to hire more Allen's. That's why I push so hard for you. If you've not tried the soaps, go to allensoaps.com slash Todd. My desire is that you fall in love with the soaps, the different fragrances that come largely out of the mind of young Allen, because he may not be able to speak full sentences, but he can think full thoughts. Allensoaps.com slash Todd, you get t- a 10% off everything there. I push so hard on this because I want to see that day where someone else like Alan is hired and then there's three and then there's five. But if you don't like the soap, I do not want you to purchase this, but I do want you to try it. And if you've tried it and not yet subscribed, I will tell you the biggest thing you can do to help Alan's grow in the way we want it to grow is to become a subscriber because it's predictable revenue. And they'll continue to take care of you. Obviously, great customer service, allensoaps.com slash Todd. And if you are subscribed, what about gift for a friend who particularly someone who believes in the miracle of the Lord Jesus, consequently believes in the miracle of birth for us? Because we can't make babies. We only do that through God. What about people whose families have special needs kids or who work with special needs kids? 
What about special kids needs them or special kids with special needs themselves? Seeing what can be done, what is possible. It's alansoaps.com slash Todd. Alansoaps.com slash Todd. So love is not love. And one love is an illusion. The Greek definitions of love used throughout the Bible and throughout culture at that time, they create different aspects of love, some of which would be godly, some of which would be not. Mania. That's described as a type of love. Obsessive, possessive, addictive, dependent. Obsessive, possessive, addictive, dependent. I'm thinking of bathhouses. I'm thinking of orgy culture. The same things that the government schools with the great exception of some godly and moral teachers who are keeping their heads down but pushing back, and God bless you for that. These are the activities they want to install in kids, obsessive and possessive. You will. You will honor my sexual decisions. I don't know if I'll pronounce this the right way, but fellow Tia, self-love, well, self-love. Wait, we're to love ourselves? Hmm. I've been meditating on this and then reading on it. The sort of self-love that I think is reflected in the Bible is, why would we love ourselves? Why, because we're special? <laughs> because we do great things? Because of our towering intellects? Is that why God loves us? No, let's return to why God loves us. Because he made us in his image. So why do we love ourselves? Because we're made in God's image. Self-love that falls outside of that, well, it becomes ungodly, doesn't it? Pragma, committed, long-standing love. Committed and long-standing. That's a godly style of love. Ha! You think of the way the Lord pursues us to this day. Right? Through, through the prophets. Through Moses and the, and the, and the kings and through the latter prophets, up to the ultimate, which is, okay, I'm going to send my son to do this for you since you guys can't figure it out. I'll send my son, and he's going to be born, and you're going to recognize it on Christmas Day, but he's going to be born through those very specific sorts of loves, like what? Agape. Unconditional, divine, selfless. Versus eros, sexual or erotic. Love is love? No, it's not. Love has types. It has unique aspects, unique meaning, subtypes. As I understand, it's in many ways when the Lord Jesus was talking to the Apostle Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. I've read that what the Lord was seeking was agape. Or pragma, this committed long-standing, there's no question, I'll do anything. And <laughs> maybe Peter, who was mindful of the fact that, wait a minute, wait a minute, I made you a promise once, I won't turn my back on you, and then you said, oh yeah, you will. Oh yeah, you will. Yeah, I tell you, the, 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 croc, the, the, the rooster will crow three times, and you're going to deny me. 
And Peter said, no. And then he did. So I wonder if in the back of Peter's mind, as he's thinking through that, do you love me in this way? Well, he came to, didn't he? Didn't he? Biblically, we're told that the, that the apostle Peter, when he was going to be crucified, the tradition is that he said, no, not right set up, crucify me upside down. I am not fit to die like the Lord Jesus died. So do it to me upside down. Yeah, I know it'll be extra painful, but I have arrived at my progma, my committed long-standing love. I've arrived at and long since surpassed philia or phileo, friendship. I've long since surpassed storge, affection. I'm approaching agape, unconditional, divine, and selfless. I'm approaching that. So, and so crucify me upside down. But love is love. There's just one love. If we buy that lie that there's just one love, how then do we separate a love for a friend? You know, I had a friend of mine who was talking about um, same-sex attraction with his kids. And they were saying, but love is love. But dad, you don't get it. Love is love. There's one love. And my friend said, okay, let's examine that. He used me as an example. You know that Todd and I are brothers. We have been since eighth grade. So what if I decided that, hey, I love Todd, therefore I should have sex with him. And the kids who know me, so gross, oh, it's so gross. Oh. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute, you're saying love is love. Now, is love divorced from the sex act? Sure it is. It obviously is. There's the affection sort of love. There's the philea or phileo, friendship sort of love. Agape, unconditional, divine, selfless. There's ludus, flirtatious, playful, casual, uncommitted. We've talked about the others. So, of course, it's divorced. So, where does the Lord Jesus install the physical uh, manifestation, expression of love? Where? Pragma, committed, longstanding. Right? Certainly, there's an aspect of friendship to that. You have to be friends first, in my judgment. Within there, the aros, sexual erotic, can belong if it's in a godly way. So the theft of love. The greatest victims for this are the people who wave love flags. Who wave the rainbow flag. They're, in my judgment, the biggest victims of this. Because they've been taught that what you're doing, crawling around on your knees, and I'm not saying this is all people who are same-sex attracted. In fact, it's the minority in my judgment. Crawling around on your knees, pretending to be dogs or wearing BDSM dog masks, that's not love. But they've been taught that, yeah, you're just expressing another flavor of love. So I am starting to get uh, really great reviews from people who are using Healthy Cell, and uh, it just makes me so happy. Uh, there's a guy who's listened to us for a long time. His name is Larry, and he's a bit of a skeptic. He's a hard get. Uh, it's, he takes a while to try a product. It took a long time to try the frog, bone frog. Recently purchased uh, Healthy Cell's sleep product, REM Sleep Aid. 
This is the one that, man, the, the second I had this, I thought, this okay, this proves everything to me. Because healthy cell decided to not be the junk form of nutrient that's, that's so prevalent, the pills and tablets. Those things end up being anywhere from 10 to 100 times too big to absorb. And your body just says, why am I bothering with this? I'm just going to you know, eliminate this through urination. So you end up spending a whole bunch more money to get any benefit from this stuff. Secondly, there's the swallowing of the pills. I don't know about you, but at nighttime, if I'm trying to go back to sleep, waking up to swallow a couple of melatonin, not a big fan, even chewing the things, right? Now we go back to the absorption. So the way they do this is through microgel technology, and it is 165% more absorbable than these old ways of doing it, these 1930s technology. So Larry tried the REM sleep product and he said, okay, it's on. This is good, solid stuff. And, and that's what, I'm, that what I was looking for. And when I look at REM sleep, I look at not just the going to sleep, but the staying asleep and then going back to sleep. That's been the crazy part about melatonin for me. Is that yeah? I I can pass out. Doesn't feel like restful sleep for three or four hours. But when I wake up, I'm jazzed. It's not the case with the REM sleep product from Healthy Cell, and all of it is natural. All of it's quickly absorbing. It doesn't have any of the filler junk that's in these pills, like thickeners and and stuff just to mask the taste. Not there. It's natural ingredients. So do what Larry did and some uh, several other people have done, send me these great reviews. Go to the website that Healthy Cell built for us in this family. It's healthycell.com slash Todd. That's healthycell.com slash Todd. Use promo code Todd for 20% off your first order. Again, that's healthycell.com slash Todd, promo code Todd for 20% off your first order. And get the sleep product. If you're having any trouble sleeping, I recommend all the products. Um, the, the, the vitamins, again, if you've got vitamins sitting on your shelf, you're wasting your money, toss them and go to healthycell.com slash Todd. And the focus and awareness products has replaced my afternoon coffee. It's healthycell.com slash Todd. The biggest victims of all this are people who now live in a lie that, um, you are living in love Well, full stop. So love, that's God. God is love. He extends that to us and describes himself in that extension. This is who I am and this is what love is and this is what love does. Love as a verb. Here's the sorts of love as emotion. Propelled by love as verb, right? It starts with the emotion, comes through then as verb. But in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth and always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. It doesn't say dot, 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 except for erotic love. It doesn't say dot, 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 except on the grinder app. doesn't. These verbs 
apply to the state of friendship, to the state of affection, to the state of experiencing erotic love, to the state of agape, to the state of playful, casual, uncommitted flirtatiousness, to the state of pragma, the long-committed love, and to the state of philotia, self-love. There, there, there's, I think, the core lie. Love is love, we say, which would make you God. You're not. There's one love. There's not. That would again make you love or make you God and you're not. So the people most at risk from this are the people most convinced they're the loving ones. Don't you hate that? Whoops. Whoops. Remember when the Lord Jesus was on the cross and he said, I hate you for what you're doing to me. No, he was patient. He was kind. Look at these people who aren't on this cross. I want that. He did not envy. When one of the criminals came to understand who the Lord Jesus was and asked to be brought into the kingdom, Lord Jesus did not say, I'm going to do this for you now at the click of a finger. He didn't boast. He had all sorts of reasons to be proud. He wasn't. He could have dishonored everybody there. He didn't. If he'd been self-seeking, when people were trying to mock him, take yourself down from the cross. He says, should have said, okay, and I'll put you up here. Watch, click of a finger. Like me? Feel me now? It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Does not delight in evil, rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And he rose again, always perseveres. We too can rise again if we will love in the way that the people, the, the entity, the Lord who invented love described it for us. So why does he do it this way? Some translations of the Bible refer to us as his masterpiece. Think of that. Well, did he leave behind an instruction kit whereby his masterpiece would harm itself? No. He wrapped up a gift. was born through Mary. And the gift was the word become flesh. And it wasn't just the word. It was the action. For three years, the apostles watched love from emotion to manifesting through verbs. The theft of love, one of the great tragedies and one of the great opportunities, also one of the great responsibilities. Knowing this now, I'm not always perfect at it. Far from it. I struggle with it almost on a daily basis. 
Sometimes in the midst of a conversation, I have to ask the Lord Jesus, please help me. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, be loving, both through proper emotion and proper deed.